0: Trent Condon, back with you with another edition of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. We recap what has been a tumultuous week inside of Iowa football. We look ahead to Nevada. Can Iowa figure out the offense against the Wolfpack? And we'll talk a little bit about some potential help along the way. All coming up on today's Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Our Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Trent Connor Thanks for coming back once again with us again here on the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast. We come to you each and every weekday. Instant Reaction Podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Today, we are going to recap what has been just a wild week inside of Iowa football. Some of the craziest stories that I can remember in my 42 years here. And my memory bank goes back to 1985, at least as a football fan, an Iowa football fan, as a kindergartner. Those faint memories. There's been some wild, wacky stuff that has happened this week. We will get into that and uh, some fresh ideas and thoughts to come from there. Also, take a look at this Nevada team. You know, and one thing that we've continued to, to talk about and speculate about this week is this Nevada team. Well, you know, they struggled so much against Incarnate Word last week. This is still a D1 team. This is still a team, even though they're going through their own transition How big of a problem could they be for the Hawkeyes? We'll get into that today and some potential good news uh, for Iowa, especially in the wide receiver group. Because that's where we're going to go here today. Thanks for joining us once again. So let's kick things off. And I just want to kind of go through, you know, what we've gone through because there's been so many conversations that we've had here on a daily basis and so many layers to this story that continues to go at the conclusion of the loss to Iowa State over the weekend. So you lose that game. and One of the feelings that I I don't think I've relayed very well is normally, I I think, us as Hawkeye fans, and certainly me now living in Central Iowa and talking about this, is there's a certain anger after you lose to Iowa State. There's a certain frustration when you see an eight year winning streak and a six game winning streak come to a close at the hands of your in state rival. I didn't feel that. I was more upset at Iowa. I was more upset at the offense. I was upset that the program is sitting at this spot after playing for a big 10 championship a year ago and the offense continuing to have these struggles in a way. And something that's a rarity for me, I felt good for those Iowa state fans have been going through it and had their, you know, the kicked in their face for the last eight years. They went out there and got a win and we'll see what this Iowa team turns out to be, but they went out there in games that I was been on the right side of a lot here lately and they were on the wrong side of it. So it comes to a close when the frustration I'm sitting there afterwards, the game and Kinnick and uh, everybody had left the stadium for all intents and purposes. And I'm still there trying to uh, get my one minute recap and, and get it out as the rain continues to pour down. And it, it was just such an interesting circumstance. As You have that time to just think and, and think of what this, what this offensive situation has become and how untenable it can be. I think that's the frustration for me. And I, I think, I'm not alone in that. I, I think I see and hear from you guys and thanks to everybody you know that gets on YouTube and gets comments. you can follow us on Twitter, locked on was where uh, you can find us on Twitter. I love your comments. I love to I read every single one of them not, normally don't really respond to a whole lot of them, but I, I thank you because I read every one of them and there's a lot of good points that I feel I feel the hurt. I feel the frustration that that is really coming through and that's where it is here after last year. It was great, right? getting that run, that final weekend, the comeback win against Nebraska. The next day, Minnesota knocks off Wisconsin. You go to the Big Ten Championship. Just the build up that week. We know how it ended, but the buildup and being there and being there for the second time and the heartbreak of the Michigan State game in 2015, and you're getting another chance. Yeah, it didn't go well. You know, Matty Pot- Bomb keeps his feet, and they score on that halfback pass. That game might have played out at least a little bit differently. Ultimately, Michigan was a lot better. I, I, nobody is disputing that, I don't think, but, You had that moment. You had that chance. But you still knew that this was a team that had deficiencies offensively. But in the offseason, it was going to be more the same. We're going to simplify things. And we see it was just coach speak, right? It was lip service to something as a fan. I think we all knew that there was a big problem. But to the coaching staff, at least to Kirk Ferentz and Brian Ferentz, they didn't appear that it was. And the frustration about having the opportunity to bring in a real quarterback coach and not doing that, instead doubling down on your son, the offensive coordinator. But that aside, we're here, the game's over, and then the week that we have had just over the last couple of days. So starting things out on Monday, right? The depth chart comes out on Monday afternoon, and that was step one. People felt... If there was going to be a change, that is where you're going to see it first, that Kirk would have an opportunity to talk to the quarterbacks, talk to the team. We're going to make a change. I was one that anticipated there would be a change because when you have the worst-ranked quarterback in the country, when you have the worst-ranked offense in the country, yes, it's time to make a change. It is something very simple. Yes, there is too much blame at times that are given to the quarterback, but I think we all felt It would make too much. It would just be something that would make a whole lot of sense. Didn't happen. Okay, well, that's just a depth chart. Depth charts don't matter, so we start talking ourselves into that. Then Monday night comes. Monday night's the cameo night where, first, Bobby Stoops, there's a cameo that's released talking about Brian and and quitting the family business. We know whoever set Bob Stoops up for that, what they were obviously implicating with that. And then the Frey McCaffrey one comes out about an hour later and talking about, Brian, eh, maybe heading back to New England, those kind of things. It was, it was a wild night. It was crazy. It was absolutely incredible in a hilarity factor of somebody being able to pull that off and, and make things not look very good. And it shows again, the frustration of the fan base. So that's just Monday. It's just Monday. We're talking, we're already here at Thursday. This has been one of the longest, wildest, craziest weeks. And there's so many layers to this story and what happened. So, Also during this time period, Monday on my radio show, uh, you can catch my radio show. It's on KXNO uh, in Central Iowa and across the state, across the nation, across the world, iHeartRadio. Radio. Just search KXNO, 10 to noon, uh, each and every weekday is where you can catch myself in Ken Miller. But we have Scott Dockerman from the Athletics, been on the Iowa beat for a very long time, and we have him on. And he said he had heard at that point, though he hadn't been able to go and report it, at least the rumblings he heard is that they were going to turn the page to Padilla. This is before the depth chart comes out. Later in the afternoon, I filled in on our afternoon drive time show from 3 until 6 and talked to David Eichel, another guy on the Iowa beat. He said he was hearing the exact same thing, that yes, they were ready to turn the page to Padilla. Then we get the depth chart. Then we get Tuesday. That is when the first official word that we get Comes from Spencer Petras. He goes in front of the assembled media. He talks, and what do we find out? Yeah, I'm a starter. Business as usual. There's no change here. What are you guys, nuts? I'm the quarterback. I'll be taking the starts. No, we're going through this all again. So all these rumblings that have been out there, the hope, the anticipation, maybe there can be a change, and maybe they're at least trying something, right? If something isn't working, you just want to see the team that you're rooting for try. I think that's another frustra- frustrating aspect of this, is it just doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of try at this point. Yeah, hey, receivers are hurt. Offense line's not good. Hey, what can you do? Let's keep trotting it out there. And this guy practices better. So we have that happen. So then, later in the afternoon, that's when we finally hear from Kirk Ferentz. After the players had talked, Riley Moss gave an impassioned speech about his roommate and his teammate, Spencer Petras. We've seen Jack Campbell. We've seen Sam Laporta. They have his back. I get it. It's a teammate, right? Somebody's trying to tear down a teammate. That's what you do. At least most times, that's what you do. And they're certainly doing that for Spencer Petrus. And then Kirk is pressed. And this is something that we talked a little bit yesterday, busy myself here on the podcast, is for the first time, Kirk felt old to me. He felt out of touch. He felt he felt like Hayden in 98. And we made those connections and a lot of the similarities that were happening there. But that is never something that has been a thought process of me with Kirk. Yes, he's getting older, right? We know that. Every year, August 1st is when the calendar flips for him. And we tack another year on there. But he's never felt old. He felt like a guy, even though he is old school. He was old school when he got here, again, after leaving the NFL and coming back in the head coaching job in late 1998. He was at that time, an old soul, but not an old guy. He felt like an old guy, at least the oldest that I felt in that press conference, when he, he thought he was going to get back and Chad likes to go to the Des Moines Register. Uh, what was the bowl game? He asked. 17. Yeah, 17. L- like, he was excited, like, I, I got gotcha you moment that we scored 17 points against Kentucky in a meaningless bowl game. Oh, by the way, Petrus also... Through three interceptions in that game, and, and Chad made sure to remind him of that. That was his gotcha moment. That was a bad look, a real bad look for Kirk. So Monday night, when all the cameo stuff's going on, you got emails flying to the athletic department. What do we do? What What is going to happen? How do we respond to this? They ultimately do very little outside of Frey McCaffrey issuing a statement, basically apologizing for it. Short of that, though, they let it go, which don't want to bring attention to it, it was a funny story. We got some chuckles. Some people maybe got upset about it. You move on, right? No big deal. But but that's what this week has been. And now as we sit here on Thursday and we are two days away from seeing this Iowa team again. That is 131st in the country and so many statistical formulas. The question is, all right, we know who the quarterback's going to be. We know maybe they're getting a little bit healthier in the wide receiver group. There are some positives at least to take from that. But... Could they lose this game? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Could Iowa actually lose this game to a team that just gave up 55 points in a loss to Incarnate Word? The Nevada Wolfpack come to town. How dangerous is the Wolfpack? We'll talk about that as we continue. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast. Well, you guys and ladies know I love to bet. I love talking about betting, and I love to get into the numbers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for your pro and college football betting needs and sports info throughout the season. You can find the latest in league developments, game matchups, news. They even have podcasts there, including this weekend's games. BetOnline, your continued source for all your wagering information. Live betting, eSports scores, they have it all. And not just football. MLB, MMA, boxing, golf, you name it, they got it. Head to the website today or hop on your phone and learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Trent him back with you as we continue on the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. Hey, we did it. I asked for it, and Hawkeye fans, you guys delivered. Thank you to all of you out there for hitting that subscribe button. Went over 1,000 subscribers uh, just yesterday. A big thank you to you. Let's keep pushing those numbers up. Tell your friends, tell your family. Hey, we're talking Hawkeyes here every week. LaShawn well, Daniels with us twice during the week. We preview things on Friday and then recap things early in the week. Insta reaction podcast. My buddy Biz, we had the Degenerate Hawkeyes podcast now. He's with me weekly on Locked On. Really fun. Love having you. The interaction that we're getting on YouTube. A big thank you uh, for making that happen. We'll keep pushing those uh, numbers up over there. And of course, you can catch us daily on the normal side, on the podcast side. Apple, Google, you name it, they got it. Stitcher, I've used that podcast app, app, I should say, for the last decade. Really, really enjoy it. And uh, that is one of many places that you can get our podcast. Let's get into it here. And, And let's take a look at this Nevada team. So, It's a question that's been relayed to me a couple of times. And for a team that has scored a grand total of 14 points this year, our Iowa Hawkeyes, that is put up one offensive touchdown on the year. That is, what a game without scoring an offensive touchdown. It doesn't matter who you're playing in this spot. You'd think there'd be some concern. Yet, as bad as it's been, I have felt nobody really concerned about this team. So let's take a look at some of the numbers here. And look at the numbers for this Nevada Wolfpack team. They come in two and one. Mentioned they had the loss last week to Incarnate Word. Now, Nevada was in control earlier in that game, and it was a, a big comeback from Incarnate Word. So, Nevada right now, 105th in the country in total offense. You think, boy, that's bad. 336 yards per game. Well, I would have to double that, and they still wouldn't be there in terms of yards per game. Iowa, 131st in the country, Nevada, 105. Rushing offense, that is their strength, averaging over 160 yards per game. No, not total, that's just on the ground. Yeah, you can do that. I know it seems a little bit crazy there. Uh, pass efficiency, they're 99th in the country. They played a couple of quarterbacks this year, one of them, a six foot nine quarterback, who also played in the bowl game for them last year. Jay Norvell, though, the former Iowa Hawkeye, he was the coach there. That was going to be a big homecoming in this game. Ultimately, he got the Colorado State job after uh, that. Crew got fired and moved on. So he got that job. That's why we're not going to have the homecoming here. But Nevada, one thing that they also is a strength of theirs is forcing turnovers. And what have we seen Iowa have a trouble with here the first couple of weeks? Turning the football over. I know you see those numbers from a week ago, and you say this is going to be the light bulb moment. And I think that's what Kirk Ferentz, Brian Ferentz, they want to see. They want to see the offense. It all comes together. They figure it all out. This is when... The light bulb starts to go on. No more happy feet from Spencer Petras. You're playing a defense that is not as impactful. You're going to have a little bit more time. That offensive line is going to have some more continuity, and you're going to see the big step forward. I wouldn't be so sure about that. I I look at the number. We'll make our picks, LaShawn and me, tomorrow. I, I look at that number, and with the continued struggles here, this is still a D1 team. Yeah, they lost a ton. A ton from a year ago, and the guys that they had returning, a lot of went to Colorado State or other places. They were places they were in the transfer portal. Their offensive line's bad. I think the defense is going to be there once again. But what we're on the field for another thirty-five minutes, right? If this offense again can't get out of its way and they can't sustain drives and and they can't pick up first downs on third and five, and and we're back to the drawing board again. Look, Iowa, they're one incomplete pass away from being zero two on the season. That long bomb against South Dakota State, if there's just a little bit more air underneath that thing, I don't think Iowa's coming back. And they're sitting at 0-2. And, and the results-based world that Kirk Ferentz lives in, that's how close things are from being the other way. You are what your record says you are. You're 1-1. One and, one. and ultimately, I think Iowa gets to 2-1. But I don't know. I, I have not broke down the film. I haven't gone that deep. This is just... Basically numbers and a few highlights that I've watched in Nevada this year. They're bad, right? This is a bad team. I'm not trying to paint this that this is the 85 Bears, all right? This is not the 1970s Pittsburgh Steelers. They're a bad football team. But maybe we're just painting it because of the own troubles and because of the struggles that they had a week ago. I think maybe we're just painting this a little bit more difficult. Well what, what what will it look like for this Iowa Hawkeye football team? What will they have out on the field? Some potential good news when we come back at the wide receiver group. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes Podcast. Trent Cotton with you one final time on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Locked On. Your first listen each and every day. So, talked about the wide receiver group. It, it has been decimated. When you have one scholarship receiver that is seeing minutes, that's bad. We can blame recruiting. I think that's a big part of it. We can blame norm numbers. We can blame Charlie Jones for leaving after going through all his spring practice and then hitting the transfer portal. You can blame all that, but the reality is you have one scholarship receiver. Well, it sounds like certainly a second one is coming back and getting closer to playing. Nico Regani had foot surgery. He has been back on the practice field this week. Not sure if he's going to give it a go. We'll find out, I think, a little bit more as we get closer to game time, more than likely on Saturday night at Kinnick Stadium. We'll get that information officially. But he's going to try to make it a go. And the huge important part to this, Nico Regani. Look, if you think the difference between Iowa contending for another Big Ten West championship and and going 4-8 is Nico Regani, I got some ocean side property for you in Arizona. I I just, the likelihood that that's going to be the case is incredibly slim. He's fine. He is a nice receiver. Had maybe a little too many drops for me in the past. He's fine. I don't see that a difference. A difference maker though is Keegan Johnson. You saw it a, a year ago in the, Well, starting in the Colorado State game. Speaking of Colorado State, we were talking about that earlier, going up and making a couple of big plays in that one. And we're turning out to be a close, contentious affair. The Minnesota game, obviously, the play that he made up the sideline, breaking tackles and going in and winning that football game for the Hawkeyes. Keegan Johnson is that kind of playmaker. He's on the practice field. But as Kirk mentioned, he's going through a lot. He's going through a lot right now, trying to get back out there on the field. It's not that he got hurt in August. It's not that. He got hurt this summer, or even back in the spring. This has been a guy that's been out for nine months. Go back to the bowl game, and that's how long back we're talking about from the time that we saw Keegan, and the coaches saw Keegan too. What's the injury? There's been a lot of rumblings and a lot of rumors, but he is back practicing at the very least. Now, can he ramp it up in a week and be ready to play by Saturday? Listening to Kirk, that doesn't seem likely, but here's a realistic possibility. Let's say this week, you go out there, Nico Regani, if need be, can give you 15, 20 snaps a game by then the following week against Rutgers, which is setting up to be a huge game. This week is big for its own set of circumstances. We'll talk about that in a moment. But then you get the opener of the Big Ten. against a very improved Greg Schiano Rutgers team. Michigan comes to town after that, the way this team's constructed right now it looks like an incredibly, it'll take a Herculean effort from that defense. I mean, they're going to have to score 14 maybe themselves to have a chance in that game. But that aside, the importance of getting these guys back just to give them some kind of dimension. Another thing is Gavin Williams being out. You know, Gavin now looks like he's getting closer to being able to play. He was going to be the starting running back. Saw him last year a bunch in the bowl game. Had a couple of big runs and limited duty uh, before that. This is a guy that, has talent. But the other part is you can use him a lot more in the passing game. This is a, a piece to the offense that is also missing. Of course, they had the screen pass set up against South Dakota State. Looked like it had a chance to go for six, and Petrus misfired on the pass. But if you can get at least a little bit more, a few more dimensions to this offense, how much easier is it to get a few more things to click? If you don't have a screen game, what that takes away. So that that's another component to look like. And I, I think Gavin Williams, he's going to play a couple of snaps uh, against Iowa state. He's going to be out there a little bit more. He can also line up and be maybe even a, a receiver for them at times. That's again, how decimated they are as they're talking about Gavin Williams as a wide receiver a position He probably hasn't played since flag football in like sixth grade. But here we are that that's where we are at this point in time, the importance of this one and Kirk Ferentz, Showing that I'm just a moron, right? Trent, you're a moron. You don't know what you're talking about. Fans, you guys think you get it. You just don't. I get it. Things are getting ugly in Iowa City. The negativity, it is simmering right now. And it could get incredibly hot. If this game goes south, if this is a tight game into the fourth quarter, if... We again see more quarterback problems. I, I don't want to imagine how bad it's going to be, how bad it could get there, but it feels like we are teetering right now. There's a program that has had the most wins that they've had in a seven year period since the 1960s. There's a program coming off a Big Ten West Championship. This is a, a program that has done a lot of great things recently. But the offense last year, it was bad. And when you have an elite-level defense and it feels like you're wasting it, a championship-caliber defense and a good special teams, maybe short of the kicker question, and it feels like you're missing that opportunity, that's where the frustration is. Setting up to be a wild week, we'll be back with you tomorrow on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Lashawn will be back with us. We'll make our picks for the week. We'll get his thoughts on this one. And one more go-around before we'll see team back on the field here's another sad thing look we're only guaranteed 12 of these a year right we only get 12 of them i'm not going on saturday I was gonna take the family gonna take the kids gonna take my son who scored his first ever touchdown in flag football three-year-old flag football last week and we're gonna take him to this first game my daughter's seven she's been to a few games before but we're gonna do it Jack can take a nap on the way over. This will be perfect. We'll get there, park, go over, see the sights, the sounds, walk up and down Melrose, have a great time with the kids. I can't subject him to it. The booze, the negativity, the co- bad quarterback play. I just, I can't, I can't. Maybe also can't do it for my own. Oh. <laughs> my my own heart. Right, it just, it hurts. It really hurts. That's where we are. This has been the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Again, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen each and every day. And for Across the Big Ten, we have Locked On Big Ten. Nate Dickinson takes you around the Big Ten each and every day in 30 minutes. Make Locked On Big Ten your second, second listen each and every day. That is Locked On Big Ten. Back with you tomorrow with LaShawn Daniels. This has been Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Go Hawks!